Today's video is a lot like the kids in this class. It's boring, it doesn't go anywhere, and the people who made it should be ashamed. Like all good science fiction movies, Cyberzone, aka Droid Gunner, starts with an exposition dump text crawl. And you better believe that's neither the last dump nor exposition this movie makes. <laughs> In the distant future of 2077, Jack Ford, the titular droid gunner, depending on which version of the movie you have, slums the mean streets of Phoenix with his sleeve holstered pistol and musical pocket watch. After an earthquake floods the West Coast, which happens 50 years prior to the film in the not-so-distant year of seven from now, Phoenix has become the busiest sea and spaceport of the new West Coast. But when Jack is called up to the headquarters of the mysterious Bennett Corporation, he must team up with droid specialist Beth to retrieve four pleasure droids from Jupiter that are being smuggled to the underwater utopia New Angeles. Together, they find themselves drawn into a web of smuggling, conspiracy, and convoluted plots to get people to go to sea church. <laughs> so put on your duster and grab your musical pocket watch as we dive into today's assignment, Cyber Zone. Yeah. That was powerful. I just, uh, I just wet myself. <laughs> now, Droid Tracker and Droid Thief are working together. His name is Jack Ford, but he's good. But he's as good as dead. You pitched the movie way better than the movie pitched itself. <laughs> I don't know if they ever did pitch it. Yeah. I feel like this movie just sprung into being like from the head of Zeus, fully <laughs> formed. Yeah, this movie is sort of like a, a, a boner. It like pops up unexpectedly and uh, <laughs> is embarrassing to those who make it and offensive to those who see it. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay, uh, going to do roll. Uh, Jamie? I am programmed to podcast. Casey? Present. Greg? I did not like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Josh, and neither did I. So that opening text crawl. Text, 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 text. Brand new dance they call a crawl. 50 years have passed since an 8.9 magnitude earthquake devastated the west coast of the former United States. California, Oregon, and Washington were all lost to the waters of the Pacific. Phoenix, Arizona has become the busiest sea and spaceport of the new west coast. But Phoenix is a city divided. The wealthy live and work in high-rise towers and dome suburbs. Free of crime and free of pollution, for those who can afford it. The rest of the people live on the surface, in alleys and tenements choked with smog and crime, hoping for a chance, hoping for a future. Did anybody else find it incredibly hard to read? It was so fast. It happened yeah, so I don't know if I'm just weirdly used to the incredibly slow, angled away from the camera Star Wars version, but... Actually having it vertical, and it was super fast, too, but having it vertical was very disorienting. <laughs> it felt like an FBI warning, I'm going to be honest. Totally. I liked it because this is the text crawl from every 
post 1985 science fiction movie. It, it like they're like, yeah, okay, the world has been destroyed. Cool, there's no more West Coast. All right, it's Phoenix. Boom, let's go. Also, you get the exposition no less than three more times. Yes, yeah. which I feel like was definitely an artistic decision that was never decided where the director was like, okay, okay, we're just going to have you uh, restate everything we say. We may do a title crawl. I don't know. I'll probably cut this out if I do a title crawl. And then he forgot and left both in, basically. (laughs) This is the first time that Fred Olin Ray and artistic have ever been mentioned in the same (laughs) sentence. (laughs) Okay, okay, Greg, let's not throw around insult. (laughs) Listen, I've seen a bunch of Fred Olin Ray movies, and I I love them. Right. Let's not <laughs> knock down our greats. You know, we there's only so many tent poles left in American uh, cinema. And he's trying to make more tent poles. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh! Oh! Yes. Oh! yes. Immediately, the first scene, I am confused if he is a droid gunner. Or a PI. It's a little bit both. Look. I mean, what's a droid gunner? You say that like those are two very obvious things, but what's a droid gunner? <laughs> right. It's amazing that, that we get a text scroll at the beginning, the sort of boilerplate, like the world has ended type thing, rather than, okay, so in the future, because cyborgs are illegal, then we have these uh, bounty hunters called droid right. gunners. And it's like, that would have been really Similar helpful. to the way they do it in, uh, I'll just pick any random movie, uh, Blade Runner. Uh, you know, a movie like Blade Runner, I, you know, who knows why that movie popped in my head after watching this one, but a movie like Blade Runner, <laughs> complete coincidence, uh, a great sci-fi movie like that will hide its world building, mm-hmm. will not just give you straight information, it will sort of sneak it into your brain as the story progresses. This is like, we're not getting anything from this opening crawl, except... Rich people are rich, poor people are poor. Like, that's the yeah. that's all that you are left with at the end of this. And Phoenix. And we are in Phoenix. <laughs> it could have been a lower third. We could have started the movie and it, and it just comes up. Boom, Phoenix. Like, smaller lower third, like, busiest spaceport. Like, that's yeah. all yeah. it needs. Like, Phoenix. That's... And then in parentheses, but somehow worse. Than... <laughs> we learned that. There's been an earthquake that ended, that like changed the world completely. This is yet another movie that introduces the concept of a like way more interesting movie and will like refuses to, sh- doggedly refuses to show you that part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't look over there. You don't want that. Yeah. You don't want that. Wait, movie. what'd you say about earthquake that destroyed the uh, West Coast? Forget no, it, forget nothing, it, nothing, nothing. <laughs> they were like, they're like, oh no, they're asking too many questions. Put more tits on screen. Get the tits out. <laughs> <laughs> If there is one thing this movie does really well, it is whenever my brain started to question the plot or where we were going, it presented me with tits. (laughs) Then all of my questions seemed to disappear. (laughs) All forgiven. Sex position at its finest. It's funny because it, it, in all of its... uh, advertising materials. There is nothing inherently sexy about a movie called Cyberzone nor Droid Gunner that like <laughs> the 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 VHS tape cover is just Mark Singer with a gun that he never has in the movie. Uh, and usually they want to like push the sexy stuff like on the tape cover. They want people to like like rent that fat material. Beth isn't even <laughs> on the cover. Why would Beth be on the cover? Why would this movie care about Beth enough to put her on the cover? (laughs) Same reason she's in the movie for 
needless sex appeal. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, Greg, you sent us in the right direction for the beginning, which is Cyberzone, or for plot purposes, Droid Gunner, or for <laughs> probably tax avoidance purposes, Phoenix 2, <laughs> stars the Beastmaster himself, Mark Singer, as Jack Ford, a droid gunner. Who... A.K.A. Harrison Ford. A.K.A. Han, how low can you solo? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I never made the connection. (laughs) We just really want to hammer home that this is the movie we made. Also, Chuba. Come on now. Lest we forget. I loved Chuba. I did love Chuba. I feel feel like the solo reference was more reference to um, the lives of most people who will rent and watch this movie. (laughs) 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 Probably largely solo. Uh, but yeah, so Mark Singer is just tasked with finding people and killing droids, which have been made illegal in this world. They're sort of, they're used in the off-world colonies, but have been made illegal on uh, Earth. Oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yep. I mean, really, like, what's great is that this movie starts out with Jack Ford being beaten up by a cyborg droid. <laughs> I don't think you heard me, pal. I just asked you if you'd seen this woman. I'm gonna take that as a no. Uh, And then he takes out his sleeve-release Derringer, which makes the sound of a 357 Magnum when he shoots yeah. it. And he, and he blows away this uh, droid's mouth. Jaw. Uh, having, having the, like, one really cool, probably, like, effect in the whole movie right in the first minute. He's looking for a woman, who I thought was going to be a bigger plot point. <laughs> oh, no. But wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then... We immediately get boobs, and I was like, "I was like, oh, we're, not we're immediately. One minute in, not immediately. You are forgetting You're my favorite scene. scene when he passes a homeless child little in urchin. the alleyway, a little urchin, street urchin. Uh, he asks if she's cold, and instead of giving her his giant fucking overcoat, <laughs> he does a magic trick where he turns his pocket watch into a coin. Hi, sweetheart." Well, that is his save the cat moment. That is his, his oh, the only thing that endears us, the audience, to Jack Ford. Because that scene could have gone a lot differently if he wasn't the hero. Like because I was on edge that whole that whole scene. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Yes. Oh, when he, yes. When he's talking to the little the little girl in the alley. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What a, also... what a, a strange man <laughs> talking to a street urchin little girl. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, there was nothing about that that made me feel at ease. I also like felt myself gripping my couch and being like, let's keep it funny, Jack. Come on, let's keep this. <laughs> so back to the strip club. Of the future! The, the amount of times we're going to say back to the strip club This in can be this cut podcast. in anywhere, yeah. This is the major the, set. Uh, so, oh, who else's favorite character was the uh, bartender pirate? Oh, bartender pirate was great. He doesn't serve Jack's kind around. Here, what's his kind? Droid gunner. Where have I heard a bartender say we don't serve their kind around here in a sci fi movie? <laughs> oh, it's killing me. What's interesting is interesting, you say? Interesting. 
is, again, in this world where droids are illegal, the bartender doesn't want to serve droid gunners. They're a harsh reminder of what is out, out there in the world. Like, if there are droid gunners, that means that they're still droids, and he'd rather pretend that neither exists. Or does it further the sort of class divide where droids, who, which are still available to the ultra-elite, made uh, unavailable to... You know, the chaff, the great beast of society, all the all us normal people. So like the normal people resent droid gunners because they are a mechanism of the elite to like, you know, droids haven't gone away. They've like only gone away for kind of like he's selling out almost like he's 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 different from the rest of the normal surface people because he's serving the upper class, but he still lives on the surface. Exactly. Damn, that's actually kind of interesting. Be like a cop walking into, uh, I don't know. Anywhere. Anything. <laughs> Star Wars. Josh, the movie you were thinking oh is Star Wars. Oh! Star Wars. Thank oh, you. wait. No, no, no. In Star Wars, they don't serve droids. It's different. It's the opposite. It's Am I the only one who, when we cut into the strip club and we saw the cat lady stripper vampire and then our our pirate bartender i was like is it halloween also <laughs> and then it wasn't <laughs> that like it was sort of revealed that that is just the guy always dresses like a pirate i was hoping at one point after giving jack ford a hard time like we don't serve your kind i'm not giving you any information droid gunner also, uh, this Friday, I'm in a production of Pirates of Penzance. If you could uh, please sort of spread these flyers around. <laughs> I am the very model of a modern droid gunner. <laughs> Good. Keep going. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Jamie, nobody could say that much of Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> he was a phoenix man. Oh. <laughs> Something duty, duty, something about duty. I don't know. So he, we cut from Pirate Bartender. Oh, wait, before we go, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm so sorry that we don't, like, <laughs> meet her yet, but we see and get, like, a quick back and forth with the mutant stripper. Yes. Yes. The Catwoman is, in fact, a mutant, which we learn 40 minutes it's later. the lowest bar for, like, this is the future. This is different. We only have six extras. <laughs> and I don't want to breeze by her because she was honestly the one character in the movie that I was truly endeared to. She carried herself with a sort of, like, confidence within the world that made the world seem more rounded. Yep. She is, yes, a sex worker as seemingly every female goddamn character in this movie has to be by some law but the law of the future men shoot things women have tits man what else are you gonna do with them right this is the future and she was a mutant which in this world being the the mutations that we see is having pointed ears having like a cat-like nose having fangs and not having breast implants. I think that yeah. was one of her mutations <laughs> as well. What a mutant! Clearly, uh, silicone survives the post-apocalypse. <laughs> one of the few industries that thrives. This is when we get our exposition. About New Angeles. The underwater city that is looking for workers. I'm Charles Humberstone, mayor and owner of New Angeles. New Angeles is a smoke-free, drug-free, alcohol-free underwater agricultural community located 400 miles off the coast of Phoenix. I mean, it's pretty much just like going to Brigham Young University. Four <laughs> years of... 
Yeah. No Correct. drinking. No smoking. <laughs> but I don't think it's explained here that the mayor of New Angeles is like a super conservative Christian-esque zealot, right? Like we don't, again, not. we don't learn that for another 20 minutes or so. So we're just like supposed to like keep these details in the back of our heads until. I mean, de- details is an interesting word considering this movie paints exclusively with broad strokes. <laughs> <laughs> like they don't tell us what New Angeles does. No, from the clues we get, most of the population of New Angeles uh is pipes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have a thriving uh, pipe economy. <laughs> yeah. The end of that scene, it was one of the, one of the moments where I I fa- I did sort of find myself frustrated with like the fun movie this could have been when the pirate bartender besides being dressed as like the Dread Pirate Roberts also is missing one eye. Yes, what is the story? Give me and the story. Jack Ford has a pocket watch, which is very important to him. And he says, do you want to play for it? And he puts down a, a six-sided dice and Jack Ford sort of sneers at him and drops the dice into a shot glass and starts to walk away. And then the pirate bartender shoots, like swallows the dice and then says to Jack Ford, I'll keep my eye out for you. And I was like, this, is this movie going to be, at that point I was like, this movie might actually end up being great. Like there's the (laughs) quips of Jack Ford land with such thuds. I totally disagree. I, I found this movie actually to be in parts. What was almost frustrating was like, I found the dialogue to be like, yes, like obviously pulpy, but uh, fun. To, to be honest, there, there are certain script uh, eloquencies uh, that I appreciated, but so much of the performances had no thunder but you know like they're like they're all dead behind the eyes while delivering what what is supposed to be the sort of like his gal friday like crackling 40s noir dialogue do i pass inspection you'll do i got a message something about a job yes you know the surface world i'm told it's your element it's where the real people live well, it's also like a movie that is chock filled with character actors, which is amazing if you give them characters. <laughs> right. Like I love Matthias Hughes, who plays Hawk, but he he has nothing to do. He just stands there so much of the time, and Mark Singer is like really trying to like make this hit like he's like, trying to make uh, an iconic smuggler character yeah, yeah and it is and and he is far too serious for it yep so we then cut to clearly repurposed spaceship footage from i'm assuming some other movie or television series because there's no way they made it for this movie right like this is this the space footage is taken from 1980s battle beyond the stars thank, thank you. you i knew it i did not want to look it up but i knew it this footage was also used in the following movies yes. space raiders star slammer the escape not of this earth the remake andy colby's incredible adventure dead space vampirella star quest 2 and space portal <laughs> Oh, wait, and also Ultra Warrior. <laughs> I genuinely oh. liked that space footage, so I'm going to have to check out all these movies. I own all of them. <laughs> that space footage is utilized uh, to introduce us to Hawk. 
Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> Is it hawk or hawks? It's hawks, I think. It's hawks plural, I believe. Hawks, sir? Yeah. I think so. I believe it is Hawks plural. He has multiple Hawks shoved into a beefy blonde body. And he wears leathers like nobody's business. And his ass looks great. (laughs) He sort of, Hawks to me looks like one of the members of Nelson is hiding Arnold Schwarzenegger in his body. (laughs) (laughs) Hawks takes the four pleasure droids off of this Jupiter colony. Droids from colonies. That. Also sounds familiar. Mm. Drive me crazy. I don't don't know what you mean. I'm interested in why they picked Jupiter, considering (laughs) it is the gas planet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And also, we we know that women are from Venus, Greg. (laughs) He steals them from this Jupiter colony, where they are busy doing their life's work uh, uh, of rubbing their own boobs. (laughs) Important work. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, the way he takes them away. Can we uh, quickly acknowledge the wonderful bit? Could I please have your attention? I'll do anything you desire, and I'm designed to please you. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, down, down. I get sexual pleasures by having women follow me single file down the hallway. Yeah, that moment, what a waste opportunity. I was so ready for like, if this movie was just a, like a little bit more clever and maybe a little less misogynistic, like later you could use the pleasure droids to like fight off people or something. You could like, if they follow That's orders. too much by agency, just- my man. Too <laughs> much agency. This guy's commitment to his professionalism is like applaudable. I'm just going to say. <laughs> he yeah. could not care less about these pleasure droids. He just wants to get the job done. Meanwhile, they've all been given the same direction from the director of like, never stop swaying and like moving sexy. <laughs> they gyrate the <laughs> like entire ride back to Earth. Consistently gyrating. Right. Uh, Mr. Olin Ray, what's a, what? how should I be playing this moment? Uh, writhing baby (laughs) writhing yeah think about it like every time your breasts aren't on display you're in physical pain (laughs) (laughs) what a way to make a living right which is a line <laughs> that is what we cut out of from this scene it's a living <laughs> one of them goes missing and I was convinced <laughs> until the final moment that that was because they could not get her back for a second Absolutely. you're probably right the fact that they lost a droid and there's no explanation for how this happened. So I thought like, oh, actually Hawks does love one of the pleasure droids and he's held on to them secretly and he's gonna, he, he wants to rescue her and that's why he needs to team up with Jack to like basically get clear with his love. No, that's not a plot point. Then I went a little further and I was like, oh my God, what if Beth is the fourth missing droid, not realizing who she is until it's revealed, but she wasn't. Beth is a human. A sexy librarian sexy human. Sexy librarian human. College educated. I, I just jumped to so many like better plot points besides they could not get this fourth actress back for the days that they needed her. <laughs> I've watched so many of these movies that, like, at this point, like, the idea of having 
a coherent A plot, let alone a B or C plot, is so out of the question in my mind <laughs> that like every so often a movie I'm like I'm like no, there's no way that they'll pull out something like that because this movie's too stupid, and then they do, and I'm like wow, <laughs> they wrote this <laughs> like good job guys. Well, if okay, so just to present it at like halfway through this movie, Hawks delivers three of the pleasure droids dressed as nuns to New Angeles. The last scene we've seen, he clearly has all four pleasure droids on his ship. And then they're just showing three of them now dressed as nuns. And they Where take, did the last one go? <laughs> they take so long to reference that there are only three that my brain, it felt like it was overheating. Like I felt <laughs> steam coming out of my ears. We're like, where's the fourth? Why, why are they referencing that there are only three? And, and did they stop anywhere? I feel like he didn't stop anywhere. Like it was Jupiter to New Angeles. How do you lose a pleasure droid on your ship? I also, again, like this movie... It was like a walk through the desert. It was like a walk through uh, Phoenix, where I was so... I thirsted. I wanted more than the movie was giving me. Because when there were only three pleasure droids, Jamie, like you, I was like, is Hawk holding on to one as, like, insurance? Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, like you said, Greg, did one of these women, like, I want to be an actor, fuck this. I'm not going to be in this stupid movie anymore. So I just like I thirsted for all these things when really I think the answer is it was the laziest answer to a screenwriting problem, which is how can we get Hawks and Ford to team up and go back to New Angeles? Yeah. It's like, oh, oh uh, one of them got away, so they need to go back. But he's like so shocked that like they're not paying him the full amount when it's like you didn't, you delivered three fourths of the package. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You didn't even do your job. Right. Interesting you, you say package. Nice. Uh, yeah, he has lost, what we are told constantly, he has lost a million dollars worth of merchandise. That's not nothing. That's not nothing. I, you know, there's, there's moments where you're on the villain side, and I was on Humberstone's side in that moment. It's like, you have lost me a million dollars through just your, like, chunky German laziness. <laughs> also, <laughs> since we're here, I do... I do want to jump back. Where, where are we? I have to ask. Where are we? We basically are doing the Hawk storyline all at once right. real fast. Beyond everything that was frustrating about the scene, which most frustrated me, is this leaned back to seeing when Jack and Beth talk to our homeless friends who are cooking a mutant on the barrel. Jack asked the homeless guy, have you seen any beautiful women they wouldn't be mutants well all we all we got left now is mutants but a couple pretty good ones though yeah where would that be well the nuns they got over there at the soup kitchen they're they pretty uh pretty fine looking and, and they're friendly you know what i mean nuns yeah well, they, they they pretty hot looking there's a couple of habits i'd like to get under <laughs> <laughs> And then it's revealed in that scene. I forgot this. Then wow. It was revealed in that scene. That, that's where they were. That's where they what were. What were they doing the... in a soup kitchen? Wow. Hawks you... has been hiding the pleasure bots as nuns at a soup kitchen, who I assume have just been just like fucking the shit out of the like vagrant population of Phoenix. <laughs> which, like, thank God they they needed a bone thrown at them. <laughs> ah. Uh, oh. oh, I get it. Uh, I understand that, like, 
in most noirs, the answer to the mystery is seated at the beginning of the movie and we the audience and also the protagonist just don't have enough information to put the pieces together but that's not quite what happens here it's the whole the homeless guy literally says yeah there are four beautiful nuns at this soup kitchen and jack ford thinks well i better check out chubas in the whorehouse then (laughs) All right, so we are, we're all over the place. We still actually haven't met Beth, so we got to backtrack a little bit. Real fast, we have, we we cut to Jack in bed, and he's having flashbacks, and they are baffling flashbacks. They are quick cuts. (laughs) Uh, 75% of them are just shots from the previous, like, three scenes in the movie that I don't know why they would be included in his nightmares. And then there are little nuggets of, like, a woman calling for help and him being useless, and we never actually learn the full story of these flashbacks, but our hero is a tortured soul. Tortured by something. Something. Well, I think, uh, Jamie, that less inventive screenwriters have sort of conditioned us to think that all dreams and movies should have a purpose. I found this dream very true to life, which it was just nonsense. <laughs> this is the most dreamlike dream in any movie. Total nonsense, meant nothing, gives you no information. He wakes up from this dream and he gets a call asking him to come on up to the Bennett Corporation. Uh, on the rich side of town. And we learn that the four pleasure droids stolen from Jupiter belong to, I forget his name. Damn it. The, the, the head of the Bennett Corporation. I'm assuming it's Is Bennett. It Mr. Bennett. What was his name? Mis- Mr. Reginald. Red- okay. Yes, Mr. Reginald. <laughs> Why not? I don't know who that actor who played Mr. Reginald was, but he, to me, came off as a sort of Edward James almost. Yes. Sort yes. of a, he sort of had a he had a vibe of like a Robert Gould. Eh. Or, I like uh, these. Keep he, going. He, he was kind of a powerless booth. <laughs> Not bad, right? So, Mr. Reginald of the Bennett Corporation, Mr. Casts, Reginald, Mr. Reginald sends with him Beth. Beth. So she's a college-educated droid expert. She's never been to the surface, but she's seen it on National Geographic. <laughs> she's cyber trained in judo and karate with thousands of hours on the simulator. <laughs> Look, you don't have to like me, Jack Ford, but you need me. I can shut down a droid. I'm cyber-trained in judo and karate. I've got over 100 hours on the simulators. Well, that's great. If we run into any simulated killers, you can take over. This movie makes the, to me, infuriating decision, which still gets made. It's not just kept in the bad 80s movies of the world. It's essentially the character that, like, Zoe Saldana has played for, like, the past 10 years, which is, (laughs) hey, here's a female character... All of her exposition will let you know how she is, like, physically and technically more prepared for this mission than you. But she you. doesn't have street smarts, Casey. Right, exactly. But it's like, <laughs> it's like what she doesn't have is a, a pair of fucking balls, baby. <laughs> That's what you need to make it in this world. Their chemistry is non-existent. <laughs> crackling. Positively crackling. I, I will say, what do they put in this bot oil? That everyone can smell. (laughs) So stinky. So many characters comment on how much Jack Ford stinks. (laughs) Because this movie doesn't progress so much as it, like, circles the drain. We, like, return to these locations over and over again. It's like Jack's apartment, alleyway, Bennett Corporation, strip club. 
Jack's apartment, alleyway, Bennett Corporation, strip, strip club. This whole movie is like, they're like, okay, we'll call it Droid Gunner, really get them in the seats. This movie spends as much time talking about the possibility of litigation as it does to, as it does shooting droids. Right. Oh my he, god. He's really more a droid finder and like a shitty one. He's very bad at droid finding. No, He's his, good at his, no job. his his droid detector is the most malfunctioning piece of equipment I have ever seen. He and he and he has to get within like three inches of them. At that point, just look at the back of their necks to see if they have a, right. like an AC unit plug or, or something. Or talk to them because all they can do is is speak monosyllabically about how they want to pleasure you. Like... Let me slip out of my gown, and you can touch me anywhere. Fox, how do I get them off? Jack. That's what they do. They're like leeches. Ma'am, ma'am, please stop rubbing yourself over me. <laughs> I need to find out whether this woman's a droid. I need to look for her input slot. I'll show you my input slot. <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I like 25 minutes in, we meet Chuba, this boss of crime. Some may call him a crime boss. Yep. Right. Uh, I just want to say that I didn't have a lot of funny thoughts during the Chuba scene. I mostly found myself, like, very tired. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, Chuba, which sounds like a brass instrument played by somebody with a horrible accent. It's like, I play the Chuba. Chuba. (laughs) (laughs) I play the chumbone. Chuba sounds like a candy in an impoverished country that can't get real candy. (laughs) Well, uh, we don't have any Mr. Good bars, but we have lots of Chuba. (laughs) Okay. So Chuba is uh, a crime boss who sits in the dark, watches a topless woman who is chained to him dance where have i seen that before no idea large guy rich with lots of cronies around and then a smuggler comes back to try to get his his bounty and then he decides to kill the bounty hunter yeah got nothing i like how chuba looks like the mystery man from lost highway hanging out with nathan lane <laughs> uh yeah and then Chuba asks if uh, if Beth is for sale and we get the immortal line. Nah, she's not for sale right now. At any moment, he could sell her to anyone. To anyone, because cause that's the economy in Phoenix is credits, cash, women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which transitions us to this whorehouse that specializes in non-mutant woman. It also sets up. You know how in Die Hard you have the whole, like, take your shoes off and it leads to the great plotting wardrobe-wise of why he's running around barefoot and shooting the glass? This scene was that, but for getting Beth to dress sexy. <laughs> like, there was no reason for this, like, for Beth to run interference. It's like, they didn't need Beth to run interference. Like, he just had to pose as a customer and go inside, and, like, then he started running around. He literally, like, does this to, like, punk Beth. Like, potential sexual assault is so funny. I want to say, I don't want to make the mistake that I am at all agreeing with the sort of like gender dynamics of this movie far from it i thought that the i don't know the boss or like head of personnel or like hr guy at the uh whorehouse was like fairly straightforward like yes 
she is she's being put in this uncomfortable position by Jack Ford. Right. Like for anyone else who is genuinely looking for employment as a sex worker at this place, they're pretty like the the entrance interview is like, are you sure you want to do this? Like a lot of people aren't ready for like what this job entails. And yeah, like, so it, it seems like a safe, nurturing environment until it ends with, all right, let me test you out. <laughs> right, but look, if you're going to go get a job at a burger place, they're not going to let you have the job till the, they see you flip a couple of burgers. Like, <laughs> they need to know you. It's exactly like that. When you have given in to the idea that this is sex work, then sex is work. I like, I like so the way he put it where he said, let's get you into uniform and I'll administer a little pre-employment test. And my first thought was, yeah, it sure is little. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it was just like the grossest way to put that. Like, <laughs> This movie is great at taking the grossest way to put pretty much everything. <laughs> the <laughs> amount of times later that they say advanced oral function made my skin crawl. Right. So many bad double entendres that by the time they make a joke out of you're cleared for entry, I was like, it's too late, movie. (laughs) You can't can't win me back. Yeah, exactly. You've done too much damage. I mean, uh, there, there was like a there was like a kernel of something good when they before they go into the into the whorehouse and Jack says, ask if they have any positions. Any openings. You know what I mean. Like, it's like, that is like, if delivered well, that's like, okay, yeah. That's but like it was like, little... so just like, straight and narrow. Like, you you, you realize but halfway through the second joke that he's saying jokes. Right. No, the, the, open, the positions and opening gags was like, absolutely just a screenwriter giggling to themselves. Himself, what am I doing trying to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, smash cut to a softcore porno <laughs> where Jack interrupts and scans the woman with his incredibly not good droid, droid detector. Scanner. Droid detector. It goes on for so long. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. This was, well, this was where the movie is firing at the cylinders that the movie is trying to fire on, which is the plot is totally coming off the rails, and I was like, boobs, we present you with boobs. <laughs> boobs <laughs> like, are like the center. Like, they recenter you in this movie. It, yeah, it's somehow this movie, if it was in one rhythm, it knew the moments to present gratuitous nudity to like inert any uh (laughs) distraction right exactly (laughs) you just see this like extended sex scene with these two people and i wrote jokingly in my notes like there is a zero percent chance that these two people have anything to do with the plot. <laughs> and then Oh, but I, you were wrong. Oh, but I was wrong. Oh god, Schreier. Jack enters searching for the droid. Hi guys. Don't get up. Sorry, I thought you might be an android. You know something? Your husband's been looking for you. Oh, the first woman that I was looking for at the beginning of the movie. Well, that's tied up neat and tidy with a bow like was here the whole time hey right under his nose that's resolved <laughs> i was actually delighted because i thought that that thread would go nowhere <laughs> and i was very well, disappointed well i thought that thread had to do with like the woman he couldn't protect and it clearly wasn't <laughs> yeah yeah that's what i thought also so beth meets jack outside 
in her new outfit. Oy. Yeah, we've lost bookish Beth. She's let her hair down against her will. She's surface Beth now. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's down in the in the dirt and the grime like the rest of us. Yep. So Chuba has dispatched his goons to take out Jack by the orders of Humberstone, the leader of New Angeles, who shock, awe, oh my god, gasps from the audience, turns out to actually be the villain of the story. <gasps> you can't believe it. Oh, wait, he was virtuous. <laughs> Conservative Christians are never the bad guys in history. Nice. Yeah, and then they're attacked by Chuba's guards and cronies. And Beth gets to show off her cyber training. Not only is she sexy Beth, she is the Beth that was promised. Yeah, she totally dispatches the bad guy in like a, like she kicks ass. Like, I, it, it is that moment where she fits the mold of so many female co-stars in action and sci-fi movies to come, which is like, why is this not the lead of the movie? Like, she is so <laughs> much more capable to handle this problem than Jack Ford. A bag of grain is more capable than Jack Ford, I would argue. Humberstone is... Uh, Humberstone, Humberstone! Humberstone. <laughs> he and his toady Walsh. Who is, as the kids say, very extra. Uh, <laughs> because Juba and his two uh, aged goons have failed. Uh, <laughs> I sent my best and only men. I sent my best and only men, a general manager of a Best Buy, and uh, Egg Shen from Big Trouble in Little China to go, <laughs> to go take out Jack Ford. Yeah, I'll... I do like that it's like in the future bounty hunting and like crime is like not a young man's game. No. <laughs> like every- <laughs> so the villains dispatch the assassin droid. Where have I seen this before? A very large Eastern European man as a robotic <laughs> square jaw who's going to eliminate. <laughs> Josh, you're thinking of um the sort of main villain from that movie Eliminator and uh, Eliminator 2 Decision Time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Oh, Um, I think my highlights with Assassin Droid is the fact that they go back to the strip club, of course, because it's one of five sets they have to try and ask more questions. But our introduction to Assassin Droid in the context of Jack and Beth is he claps jack's shoulder and goes is this your hooker which i could only think of was like is not a tumor that's all i could think like it's not a hooker she's not a hooker (laughs) i need need your demeaning clothes and your motorcycle (laughs) there's a there's a fist fight between jack and assassin droid and beth takes a very long time searching for the thing in her purse that can shut a droid down as promised that she could do her sonic screwdriver her sonic screwdriver it's all it was she's not ready she's not ready for the uh she's still a she's still a upper class she's not ready for the sort of violence and uh high octane danger that comes with the surface world but with some assists from uh cat stripper we that we best the assassin droid in a way that Again, made him seem kind of not like a threat at all. So right, almost like it shouldn't have been in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> but but in hacking the mainframe of Assassin Droid, everything was set to auto wipe. But she's able to discern three things: one, the nuns must be protected. Huh, 
Interesting. If only two. someone earlier in the movie had told us anything about nuns. Right? Maybe. <laughs> two, terminate Jack Ford. And three, an airstrike is automatically activated. Suddenly there's a sound of choppers above. And I thought this was going to end with a plane blowing up this smuggler's bar. Oh, I did too. I thought there were missiles yes. incoming to this bar, but no, not exactly that. Like, just a guy in a helicopter with a handgun. <laughs> as soon as I saw the, the helicopter and they were shooting at it, I, I, I immediately wrote down, helicopter will explode, and my pen hadn't left the page, and it explodes on screen. And I was just like, well... Fair. Thank you. <laughs> right. A single shot from Jack Ford's gun blew up that helicopter, and the pilot's last thought was, why, why did I have to bring my collection of matchboxes and gasoline? <laughs> I do appreciate a movie that posits the idea that one lone helicopter is an airstrike. Oh, my God, Jack, you're bleeding. I don't have time to bleed. It was at this point that I just wrote, is everyone on Quaaludes? <laughs> no, I, I genuinely did think that when he says, I don't have time to bleed, and then he, like, passes out, it that was pretty funny. In the context of, like, knowing that that line is stolen from Predator. <laughs> as, like, it, it was like a cool line in Predator for Jesse the Body Ventura to say, and then this movie steals that line, but because he's bleeding, he, like, gets woozy and passes out. I thought that was actually pretty But before funny. he passes out, he says we need to go to his place because he has a band-aid there. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is too cool for school. They have to put a hat on a hat. They can't have just the line. Yep. There's so many good... That is, yeah, I, I ain't got time to bleed, then he passes out. Let's go to my apartment. I have a band-aid there. Like, this is where the writer really came to play for this scene. Like, Actually, that was... No, no, no. The best line is right after that. There's a bottle There's a bottle of local anesthetic on the counter. Cut to Jack Daniels on the counter. And I'm like, all right, movie. Oh. That was good. That might have been the funniest scene in the movie. I will say, though, with, with that, I while I appreciated that, then he goes on to pour the Jack Daniels onto his wound, which is not anesthetic. That hurts a lot. That does the opposite of what anesthetic does. Does he? Be, do you think he meant antiseptic? Probably. No, no, no. Well, no, and then he no, then he drinks it, and that's oh. what I think supposed to be the point. Really, the move is you drink it and then you pour it. You don't pour it so that it hurts, and then you drink to like feel better. That's not how that works. And then he does not sterilize the pliers, the huge pliers that he just sticks into his skin to rip out this, this slug. Also, he does the hilarious thing that whenever any like cool, tough person in a movie has to swig a bunch of whiskey as like their one means of anesthesia when they're doing like, a, they gotta pull a bullet out or something, they don't wait for like them to get drunk like he, no. he, he like drinks a whole bottle of whiskey and then immediately starts digging into his shoulder with pliers. Like none of his senses are dulled. He is just he he is in just as much pain, except he has like a stinging nose and throat. He doesn't like... have time to bleed, Casey. Yeah. Yeah. He made that very clear. Yeah. Because then we're back to Jack and Beth and the anesthetic. And, and... their sex scene? Oh, no. oh, oh, no. This is a love oh. scene. Oh. Fucking God. I loved this moment so much. What lead up to this was there possibly? Yeah, they have had zero, like, chemistry. 
if anything, he has only endangered her. He has yes. only put her in dangerous situations. He has threatened to, like, sell her four times right. since meeting her six hours ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he has not, yeah, endangered her is even too strong. He's commodified her. Yes. That's all yes. he's yes. done in this. She's looking at his watch. You know the move. You know, you like sometimes boys, <laughs> you like you shot in the shoulder and she's looking at like a picture of your old boo. You miss you miss her, don't you? And he's like every day, you know, I, I'm pretty sad about it. I don't think I should be alone right now. Uh, <laughs> like he shows even like the mildest vulnerability and then they start to kiss and then he like takes her top off. <laughs> immediately loses his boner. (laughs) Like, in my mind, the only explanation is, like, Beth's boobs are so toe up. (laughs) Like, there's something something wrong with them, because he, like, he takes her top off. There's no silicone. Oh! It's not like the other surface girls. Right, and... Yeah, they are natural, which in Phoenix is disgusting. Because he is like, the minute he sees her topless, he's like, uh, never mind about all this. Let's get back to business. So this mystery is pretty crazy, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got so much juice out of that moment. Like, this movie had, like, sort of lost me. And I got so much juice out of, like, this ham-fisted love scene that ends... You know, like all of us guys, you know, sometimes you're like really hot and then like the girl gets naked and you're like, oh, you know what? Never mind. (laughs) You know how most guys do that? Oh, yeah. You know how it is. Hey, you hungry? You want to go get a Reuben? Right. (laughs) Hawks at Humberstone, when he goes to, to pick up his payment and he's delivered three droids and they go through the negotiation process where... He's trying to, you know, get more than half the money because he gave more than half of the droids. Honestly, like, one of the best lines of the movie is here when when he's like, you'll, you'll take 24000 and then uh, Walsh uh, puts the gun to his head and he says, You can take your payment in cash or in let. And I was like, whoa! Yes! Yeah. <laughs> yes, best one. I was like, all right. And that's really, like, what endeared me to Humberstone. Like, he's, like, the worst creep. But he is also the only one in the movie really, like, going for it. Or yeah. at least is the only one who can seemingly deliver the meaty lines. Because Ford has a ton of meaty lines that he just sort of, like, bumbles through. Yeah, Humberstone has like three or four, and then he's just like looking at his his fish tank, which is just a window with pieces of mylar behind it. <laughs> yeah, we slowly over time learn the very simple plan of Humberstone, which is to reintroduce vice into this viceless place. The workers had no work. There was nothing for them to look forward to when they came home. And church attendance dropped off. You don't need confessionals when there's no sin. Deep. Deep. (laughs) Just open a bar, bro. Right. And I was left to wonder uh, whether four sex bots would be enough to corrupt a whole city. But like, but then you're reminded that there's only seven people in this yeah, whole movie. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. (laughs) The most important things that happen next are we go uh, back to the strip club. We go back to the strip club where we have a a team up. 
Yeah. Thank yeah. God for a goddamn team up. The most anticipated team up in cinematic history. Where Hawk and Ford meet each other because Hawk has lost one of the pleasure droids. <laughs> when Ford offers him a cut of the money he's going to get from Mr. Reginald to steal back the three pleasure droids from Humberstone. Uh, using, once again, our baby girl Beth to pose as one of the pleasure droids to trick Humberstone and get into New Angeles. I so wish instead it had been revealed she was a pleasure droid who had gained sentience. Like, man. That's too good, though. Right. I thought she was being set up as, like, the Sean Young character to be like. Yes! But they stole from Blade Runner, but, like, not the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) like they read the spark notes of blade runner yes they they tell this plan to mr reginald and you know this is the first time he's seen beth in as like jaded by the surface world and he says my god beth what has he done to you it's like well he devalued my obvious martial and scientific (laughs) expertise uh and twice had me pass as a prostitute the second time not even as a human prostitute so (laughs) Uh, after, of course, balking at the sight of my naked body, I love him. <laughs> oh, no. That's it. That's the plot. That's it. There we go. You nailed it. Yeah. But, like, arguably, the real world is terrible for everyone. I th- it's, but it is especially terrible for women. The real world is bad for everyone and especially bad for women, which is a quote that applies to this movie uh, and also the real world Uh, but like all of these sci-fi movies that were of this time that was the 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 extent of world building that they did is just like the rich have gotten richer the poor have gotten poorer there is like it always flirts with the edges of like really interesting class conscious politics. Yeah. Everyone in this world is supposedly by the admission of the opening scroll getting brutalized in one way or another. Where a better movie would make that the meat, that is very much the window dressing of this this walk down memory lane. <laughs> yes. I, I, if I were in Beth's shoes, I would not feel liberated by this knowledge. I would uh like gotta check my privilege a little bit and be like yeah i'm gonna go back to this place where i graduated from college and like (laughs) didn't have to deal with these things and was valued as a human being uh but no that's not the message she takes away from it it's nope it's let's go and i'll uh shove a tracer where the sun don't shine oh my god gross (laughs) so gross (laughs) (laughs) they're on hawks submarine they say you have the tracer on you and she says yeah and it's really uncomfortable and my skin (laughs) that tracer's in her vagina right that was the implication so much of this script made me physically uncomfortable yes and then they sneak into new angeles which doesn't seem necessary because they later blow away all of their guard stock Pretty easily. And you'd imagine if you had somebody who was, as they said, trained in judo and uh, hand-to-hand combat, she would probably be uh, a use in such a situation. 
Instead, they feel the need to sneak in for for no discernible reason. Uh, yeah, <laughs> again, the characterization of Beth, they have given her all of the skills necessary to succeed in every part of this mission. She is an expert at droids. She uh, apparently can speak seven languages, making her great for espionage, and she is like a martial artist. She should be able to run this whole mission by herself. <laughs> it is insane. Yep. James insane. Bond could. But instead, she is just the toy of these two Boy. lunkheads. Right. So while Hawk brings Beth in the guise of a pleasure bot to Humberstone's office, Ford sneaks into New Angeles. Uh, this is when we get the very, very, very uncomfortable scene between Beth and Humberstone. Yes, because it turns out they're, the crux of their plan, which was that Beth was going to lead them to the other droids, that plan is immediately thrown out the window because, much like any conservative <laughs> politician, Charles likes to sample the merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> which makes sense. Oh. And actually... That I, you know, of course, it's like a creepy scene, but I like it was meant to be he's like a villain and a creep. And I thought one of the best, again, like frustratingly funny and interesting choice is he is like sort of, you know, putting the moves on this pleasure droid. Uh, also says, I'm uh, I make a pretty good martini. Would you like one? She says, yes. And then he hands her the martini and says cocktails for two. I prefer the Spike Jones version. Ah, <laughs> uh, your program for humor. Which, you know, everyone who's going to see Droid Gunner is going to love that joke that references 1930s big band music, right? Everyone's going to be rolling in the aisles. 2077! Yeah, yeah. Everyone's rolling in the aisles with that reference. He's like putting the creepy moves on this pleasure droid who is denying his advances, and he's getting confused by that. And when he gets frustrated, he grabs her arm. And realizes that she's a real human. And then Think is, of the diseases! Right! Is like immediately disgusted that he had kissed a real human. And I thought that was awesome. That's like yeah. a really funny, like interesting character choice for this world. And it's again, I was like, God damn it, movie. Like you were so, you were flirting with so many fun things. I, am I the only one who thought that when he was mixing up the martinis that that was... Him being like cunning, like I, I, uh, I really... what do you want alcohol for? Yeah, droid? exactly. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I was like, that would burn the inside of her circuits. <laughs> as as they talk about a, a damaged pleasure droid is just a hunk of steel, of useless steel. It's like okay, so the inside of that's probably not a digestive system. Would be my guess. <laughs> uh, I would imagine, though, Greg, that a major part of owning and upkeeping a pleasure droid is cleaning out the insides. So I'm sure they have a. <laughs> they, they have a process for dealing with that. Just when There's I a thought lot. this movie could get grosser. <laughs> I, I hate this thread. Fox <laughs> yeah. uh, really sent her into the lion's den without a lot of preparation because the one character who has seen the pleasure droids and how they behave didn't just tell her, it's like, oh, you need to be like fondling everyone and everything in yeah. the room. <laughs> she is like the most coquettish pleasure droid ever designed. Well, she's also like standing still and not constantly gyrating. Right. So that's the first tip off that she's, she's not a pleasure droid. She's acting the most not like a pleasure droid you possibly could. Yep. Right. So Hawk is led away from the room Hawks. by... Hawks. Hawks. Sorry. Hawks. Multiple Hawks. Hawks. Is led away from the room by Walsh. 
he thinks towards $24,000, but instead Walsh leads him into an alley. He just like he just loves his fucking gun so much. He just oh. Yeah, he just loves twirling his gun and like polishing his gun and like finding cool ways to hold his gun. So the fact that his gun malfunctions is genuinely very good. I liked that <laughs> quite a bit. Was it that it malfunctioned? I, I read that as it didn't have any bullets and I was yeah, confused. I think he just never loads it. Like it's a fashion piece and he just never loads it. And then one time he needs it. Oh, shit. Well, to me, it's like it doesn't really matter. It's like, is it that it was not loaded? Is it that the safety was on? Is it that it misfired? It's sort of ultimately doesn't really matter because the gag is that after a whole movie of him playing with it like it's his dick, he, <laughs> he has a moment to kill Hawk and it, it doesn't work, which is fun. I like Symbolism. that. I also like that it's a desert eagle and he's trying to kill hawks with it. (laughs) This movie has layers. And then so Hawks hits Walsh and then gets away uh, where he meets up with Jack again. Jack and Hawks find the other three pleasure droids. We get the same joke again of I get pleasure out of you following me in a single file line. We also keep getting the priority. We'll go get the droids and then we'll come back for Beth. Like... They, they literally, Hawks knows he dropped off Beth in a dangerous situation where she could literally be assaulted at any moment. And they're like, we'll come back for her. She's fine. She's fine. She's fine. And arguably she is, as we later learn. But like, they could not care. But not could be assaulted at any moment. Will be assaulted in the next moment. (laughs) We're counting on Uh, it. She, yeah. yeah, but they find the pleasure droids. They do the single file line trick. And again, I mourned like... How awesome would the movie be where, like, if you can control them just with, I get sexual pleasure from, insert command, it could have been, like, as they're trying to get away with the pleasure droids, that's when the uh, the guards, like, surround them, and they say, uh, pleasure droids, I get sexual pleasure from you kicking ass! And then they, like, <laughs> oh, the pleasure droids pick up guns and start, like, blowing away the guards. That would have been Awesome. That would have yeah. been so that good. Movie. That would have predicated the idea that they had more than six blanks and seven extras, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because oh, they, end up, they end up bringing idea. the... They, they get the droids, they bring them back to the submarine, they go back to, to get Beth. But they almost don't. They almost don't. And Hawks is like, there's about a hundred men out there waiting for us. And I just wrote, is there? <laughs> like, is there more than a hundred men? About a hundred. There are, there are seven extras, I believe. <laughs> and they're shown twice. There, there are two shots of people coming out of doors and shooting at them. So many railing most, kills, though. Railing kill. Railing kill. There are maybe... Maybe nine. You know, you don't see them up close. They're definitely reused. Yeah. Upon going back to rescue Beth, Hawks and Ford, like, cleanse the population of New Angeles. Like, they totally genocide that city. They but they are... only make it, like, 20 feet, basically, yeah. from where they... Like, they do not make it very far. Beth! comes to them yeah yeah a movie again this movie doesn't know what's so great about it these two like beef-headed men go back to like have a nonsense gunfight meanwhile it is beth in another room who saves the day but 
how does she save the day? Can anyone explain to me what she did to Charles? We need to break she this took, down. She took his glow stick gun and put it in his pants. <laughs> yeah. And he disintegrates it. Vaporizes. And he vaporizes. Like all good glow stick guns, whatever you put it on, vaporizes. Yeah. He this said, doesn't seem that hard to grasp, Jamie. Yeah. He, he like, says some line, like, I'm going to cleanse you of your sin. She just, like, kicks his ass, turns the gun on him, and atomizes him. And totally disintegrates this dude. There is nothing left. Of Hubberstone. Absolutely nothing. When she's finished with him. Like, erased from the movie. There was a great moment that could have happened where, like, you know, a belt buckle falls and we get, like, a good, you know... Or a a crucifix hits the ground. Yeah, or, like, a a gold tooth, you know? (laughs) No. No, instead, it's just the fade out. Like, (laughs) plate, plate, dissolve. That's it. Uh, yeah, Beth kills Humberstone. Hawks and Ford kill everyone else. <laughs> everyone. You know, it seems we have tied all up all the loose ends, but then out of the corners steps Walsh with <laughs> Ford's pocket watch. How? Who cares? <laughs> when would this have been taken? No when idea. were they ever in a room besides together besides this very moment? These two characters who have never met have no prior <laughs> history. Like, well, again, it would be one thing. It would still be, like, dumb, but it'd be one thing as if he stepped out of the corner with the pocket watch looking at the picture of... Whoever it was. Sister, girlfriend, wife, mother, I don't know. Oh, right. Who knows? If, if he stepped out of the darkness with that watch and was like, I remember her, and it's revealed that Walsh was, like, the guy who killed... Nah. Fords. Like, it would be lazy and tacked on, but it would make more sense than what happened, which is nothing at all. <laughs> he just suddenly is holding the pocket watch. It, it is important to our lead character, and it plays a song. This, these fucking filmmakers, which is a term I use advisedly, decided to just full-out steal from Sergio Leone. Just, like, straight-up steal the last gunfight from For a Few Dollars More. Like, it's just literally what they're doing. It's just like, hey, I liked that movie. Remember that movie where there's a standoff that ends when, like, the song in a pocket watch ends? We got a pocket watch. Let's just steal from that fucking movie. (laughs) It's (laughs) so infuriating. How does it feel, Italians? (laughs) (laughs) The shoe doesn't look so good on the other foot. Yeah, we can make bad movies with your IP, too. (laughs) <laughs> it's like it, I, I honestly I felt two ways about it. my first emotion was like this is from for a few dollars more this is like just clearly stolen for no reason there's no emotional weight behind this moment you're just stealing it but then sure. they're just waiting there building tension and then yes tension yeah <laughs> that's a word I would not use And then when it does, they start firing at each other, and it's edited to show that they each shoot, like, four or five shots before (laughs) they hit each other. And I was like, in that moment, I was like, oh, please, I hope they all miss. I hope the the thing is, (laughs) all three of them miss every single shot, and then they have to just stand there awkwardly at the end and try to figure out what to do next. Well, and then finally they get hit, 
right in the raspberry jam package oh, that they've yeah. been yeah. holding for the whole movie in their in their shirts, apparently. Yeah, Walsh was uh, mostly jelly donut. Like he, <laughs> he really bursts. Real when fruit he gets flavor. Uh, may I posit the reason that uh, Fred Olin Ray took the ending for for a few dollars more is because he used this as a pitch when he brought it to the studios to try to get a few dollars more for the movie. (laughs) Walsh is killed. Hawks is also killed in this shootout. Hawks has his dramatic death speech, which includes just make sure... You bring back Beth, which he has literally never cared about before, including 30 seconds before this scene when he's like, no, we should just leave her, man. Well, no, 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 because he also says, just promise me one thing, that I get my ship. Yeah. Did he say, Did he say ship or no, he said share? I thought he said share. He said share. I heard shit, and I was just like... I was like, yeah, get your fucking shit, baby. No, share. Even in death, all he cares about is money. But for his dying line to be like, make sure I get my share is pretty, it's fun. It's like good. It's got more dramatic irony than the rest of this movie was uh, heaving at us. Yep. Um, And if there was, if there was any God in the sky, that's when shares, how you believe <laughs> would start playing. Uh, if only they had a few dollars more. They can't afford that. <laughs> so Beth returns and says, you came back for me. Did they? Barely. 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 She also said, why? She did. She did. She did say, why? Why? <laughs> Which does, I think, highlight the crux of their relationship. Which is that she apparently loves him for some reason, and he couldn't really give much of a shit about her. No. (laughs) Whatever, like, horniness towards her was keeping him going was dispelled when he saw those toe-up titties. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, it's out of, like, guilt and this loyalty to, I made a promise to someone and I couldn't keep it. And that's really his only like attraction slash interest in Beth is like he promised to keep her safe. No, 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 like no, no, no. Sorry, it's even worse than that because she says you came back for me. Why? And he says because I made a promise to someone once upon a time. It has nothing to do with you. (laughs) You are but a proxy. Why did you come back to save me? Oh, this isn't about you. (laughs) So frustrating. (laughs) So then they return. To Bennett Corporation, where Jack gets paid and Beth leaves with him because why not? She actually says, why not? Because Josh and Jamie, stop me if this sounds offensive, like all women. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) We got a great epilogue. We got a happy ending. Because we should say, because our hobo from earlier in the movie is searching through the trash and who should saunter up next to him but our fourth missing pleasure droid dressed as a nun who uh, whispers into his ear that she's going to fucking bone the shit out of him. And yeah. he is all for Sweet that. Sweet nothings. He says, yeah, yes, please. <laughs> and then they just walk off into the sunset. Yeah. Cyber zone, more like cyber bone. Oh! Nice. To be fair, that makes a lot more sense than the actual title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Rip off report card. Rip off report card. Rip off report card. The Droid Gunner slash Cyberzone ripoff report card is brought to you by SC Johnson's new film, Glade Runner. Plug it in. Plug it in. Genre stalwart Fred Olin Ray may have three names, but he's only got two things on his mind. Making movies and making them cheap. <laughs> he has helmed more ripoffs than maybe any other director in the past four decades. With over 150 titties titles to his name, <laughs> he's the man who is responsible for the ludicrous Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, the no less insane Scream Queen Hot Tub Party, and the following movies featuring the word bikini. Bikini Drive-In, Bikini Pirates, Bikini Frankenstein, Bikini Frankenstein 2, which means that there were plot points unresolved from part one, <laughs> and the girl from B-I-K-I-N-I, not to mention 11 others that I refuse to mention. <laughs> he is the brains behind Bad Girls from Mars, Beverly Hills Vamp, Invisible Dad, Attack of the 60-Foot Centerfold. I don't even have to write jokes. These are real movies. You can buy these. You can buy some of these from Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. O.R., we are forever in your debt. Droid Gunner star Mark Singer is no household name, but he should be at least familiar uh, as he was forever immortalized as Conan's biggest box office competition in theaters. Goddamn should be a household name. But as you can see, Mr. Universe, he is not. Mr. Singer was Beastmaster, a rough-and-tumble hero befriending nature to take down evil marauders. And besides a busy TV career, he gave us the goods with Dragon Quest, the alien takeoff Deep Space, also made by Fred Olin Ray, and Street Corner Justice, where he plays a character simply named Mike Justice. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> the non-Coscarelli Beastmaster sequels are glorious enough cheese for the filmography of five men. Thanks for taking us on so many journeys, Mark. Yay. No stranger to direct-to-video film, Matthias Hughes might have been one of the kings of blockbuster in his heyday. The German-bred Hughes often plays roles written for Dolph Lundgren before he turned face. Always the villain, never really the hero. He played Rhino in Fist Fighter, Khan oh. in Talons of the Eagle, and Galleon in Star Crypt. He's played off genre favorites like Billy Blanks, Brigitte Nielsen, Don the Dragon Wilson, and Martin Cove. He might best embody the American dream, coming from the old world to arrive here only to be regarded as a villain and get kicked repeatedly by those only slightly more successful. Hats off to Mr. Hughes for wearing his title proudly. Yay! Alright guys, so that was Cyberzone, Droid Gunner, or Phoenix 2.
uh, depending on... Was it really called Phoenix 2? I missed that one. In the version I watched, at least, the opening title card is Mark Singer in Phoenix 2. I will say that makes the most sense of yeah. all three actual titles. So, as with all movies watched here at Video High, what might end up on the final test? Ladies, if you're in a post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie, get out. Get out. Nothing is good for you here. <laughs> Run. Well, uh... If I've learned anything, it's that I, too, get sexual pleasures from having women follow me single file down the hallway. <laughs> I better leave Los Angeles before 2027. <laughs> I would say that, uh, you know, the more I think about it, the more that I, you know, maybe this movie does has a, have a few things in common with Blade Runner. Um... Uh, no. But I would say that less than a ripoff that uh, this movie might actually be the third in like the Blade Runner trilogy. This could take place in the same universe. I mean, they are asking the same questions. Like in the Blade Runner movies, it asks like, if a machine can think and feel and dream, what is the difference between a man and a machine? In Droid Runner, it asks the question, if a machine can show its breasts. What's the difference between a machine and a woman? <laughs> a lot! <laughs> well, that's for you, the audience, to decide. Thank you so much to Philip Marlowe, our teacher, Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for the theme music. Justin Ferrero of the Rizzos for bed music and sound mixing. Anne Shear for the logo and the entire Video High crew. Myself, Josh Roth, my wife, Jamie Kennedy, Greg Hansen, and Casey Regan. Next episode's movie is The Lords of Magic. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next period. When there's no sin, you don't need to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Mmm, that is a delicious vintage. Uh, hi, I'm Mike from the Up In Your Ear Podcast Network. I was just enjoying a late-night snifter of brandy by the fire when I remembered I have a podcast. Yes, I, I know, Eddie. I'm going to tell them. It's called Does It Suck Now? It's a podcast where me and my three lifelong friends, Josh Sprague, Josh Solo, and my brother Dave, watch movies we loved growing up and see if they suck now, we go down the rabbit hole and try to kill our nostalgia for the films we watch from when we were toddlers to teenagers. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm Josh. I'm Dave. And I'm Josh. And this is Does It Suck Now? 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 
I just have one more joke I wanted to say, which was awesome when he's getting kicked out of the dinner party and he's like, don't you ever come back here again? And he goes, suck my dick. Don't you love the movie Magic like right after that where they're like, cut to, it could be 20 years later. It, it could be 30 years later because <laughs> Mark Singer, who knows? The face and the chest are telling me different things. Everybody Ow. starts out yeah. by saying this movie sucks. However, yeah. you should totally watch it because it's awesome. It's I want to be Jack Fizzle. <laughs> Jack Fizzle sounds like a fluffer. <laughs> yeah, Peter Cetera? Yeah. Peter Cetera? Yeah. I'll, I'll fight for your honor. That song, whatever. Yeah. That song. Oh, yeah. I am the man that will fight, fight for your honor. Oh, yeah. Throws it. Then Burton catches it and he throws it back. Boom. And all the Buddhas go to shit. Mullets but, are fantastic in this movie. They, they Robin are. Hood's mullets fucking suck. And the mullets are really satisfying. Medieval mullets or 1989 mullets. Thank you everybody for listening to uh, us decide that Major League does not suck. Uh, I now. <laughs> or ever. Listen to Does It Suck Now? on the Up In Your Air podcast network. You can find it on all the podcast platforms where podcasts can be found. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Also, if you want to keep up with the Up In Your Ears podcast network, go to our SoundCloud page. That's soundcloud.com backslash up in your ear podcast network. Thank you for listening. Up, up, up in, in your, your ears. ears. Podcast network. <laughs>